Welcome to this week's Neverland Case File. We are opening a case today all about John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown. There are many stories and books about this madman serial killer who would rape and torment young boys before burying them under his house. So, let's dive straight on in on this horrible and disturbing case. Before we begin this episode, we'll contain themes of murder, torture, and sexual acts against minors, only intended for listeners 13 and up. Gacy was born on March 17, 1942 in Chicago, Illinois. Gacy grew up with an alcoholic father who would often beat Gacy and his siblings. Gacy also grew up with his father at many times abusing his mother. He was also molested by a family friend at only seven years old. Watching that as a kid and going through those things and knowing if you misbehave you will get a beating I'm sure had some pretty dramatic effects on Gacy's mind and worldview growing up. His sister did say later on that Gacy toughened up and wouldn't cry during beatings after a while. But I'm sure even if that was the case, it was very psychologically damaging on him. Very early on, Gacy realized he was gay. And during the 1950s, this was not an okay thing to be. This was a time when you had a wife, some kids, and never spoke about it if, even if you thought you were gay. Too bad Gacy didn't have a gay pride parade, or maybe he could have changed his life around. Maybe he could have realized the things that he didn't get to. Gacy had a conditional heart condition that limited his physical activity and plagued him with lifelong obesity. When he wasn't at home being tormented by his dad, he was in the hospital. When he was 11, the doctors discovered a brain clot and were able to treat the clot, but it was not enough to save him from his father or from Gacy's own mind. Gacy still plagued himself and thought that he was a horrible being for being gay, but he couldn't change that, no matter how much he wished he did. Finally, Gacy had enough of the abuse and moved out of the family home and moved west to start working as a mortuary assistant in Las Vegas. Gacy often slept over in the morgue rooms and on occasion he slept in the coffin embracing and caressing the body of a teenage boy. But even those events of him doing that scared him so much that he went back home and enrolled in business school. He still wanted his abusive father to be proud of him, no matter how much his father pained him in the past. Moving and going to the morgue was a kind of escape for Gacy, but it was not enough for him to get away from his own mind. Gacy graduated from business school and even got married and had two kids. By all standards, he seemed like the normal family man but inside, Gacy wanted more. He was not satisfied. So he started a club for the teenage boys. 
a club where the boys could play pool, drink beer, and even look at porn that their parents wouldn't even know about. Then, Gacy began to force some of the boys to perform sexual acts on him, and this was just the beginning of the nightmare for Gacy's victims. This boys' clubs would lead to something so much darker. And because they were all teenage boys, and he was a grown man, they thought that if they had come clean about it, that would mean that they were going to be opposed as gay to the community. And still at the time, that's not something you wanted to be. In August 1967, Gacy hired a 15-year-old boy to do some housework around his place. Gacy brought him into the basement and gave him alcohol while forcing him to perform oral sex. The boy kept quiet about what happened until March of 1968 and then told his father what happened and it spurred a criminal investigation into Gacy and his normal family man lifestyle was destroyed. Gacy was sentenced to serve 10 years in prison and was served divorce papers in prison and would never see his wife again. Less than two years after Gacy went to prison, he would be let out on parole for being a model prisoner. Gacy even appeared in the news and newspapers for being such a model prisoner and working so hard to help his prison inmates. Gacy moved in with his mother in Dusty Plains, Illinois. This is where he lured a teenage boy and tried to rape him. Gacy was charged with sexual assault, but the charges were dropped when the boy failed to show up to court. I think maybe if that boy would have showed up to court, it could have saved a lot of other boys. But that was not his fault. He was probably scared of the monster that was there in the courtroom. Gacy settled into a new home in Norwood Park, a neighborhood in southwest Chicago. His yellow brick home would be a graveyard for 29 young men. In town, he was not known as a dangerous man. Gacy was somebody to be looked at and loved by all of the community. He was known as Pogo the Clown and would perform for neighbors and his kids' birthday parties and have barbecues at his home. Gacy was so well-loved in the town that many people still do not believe that he committed these violent acts. He was often met with smiles, handshakes, and even some backpats as he walked through the town. When Gacy got married to his second wife in 1972, he killed two young men, putting them in the crawl space where so many of his victims will go. His wife at the time said she had no idea what was happening, but then later said she did see Gacy take men to the garage. But she said nothing at the time. His second victim he killed in that near was never identified under the crawl space. So many of Gacy's victims were young men who worked for him or were runaways. They just needed a place to stay for the night. They would never return home again, which is so saddened for their families who would never find out what would happen to them. So many of Gacy's victims were just these young men who wanted to work longer hours and wanted to get paid more, which Gacy promised them. 
Once Gacy was divorced from his second wife, his home became a madhouse for his horrors. He would lure his victims inside with the promise of beer, working hours, or so much more. Once they were inside, he sometimes drugged them and other times just showed them a magic trick with handcuffs. This was used on a lot of people and from many different serial killers. The handcuffs were first put on Gacy where he would easily get out of them. Then they were put on the young men and it was all over. The boys couldn't get out of the handcuffs and were completely at Gacy's mercy. All of Gacy's victims were buried somewhere on his property, except for the last four. And just like the last episode with Jeffrey Dahmer, people noticed the smell of decomposing bodies. Jeffrey dumped his last four victims into the river. Some of his victims weren't even runaways and were looking for something from Gacy. In fact, sometimes Gacy would travel in his car, which often looked like a police car, and would impersonate an officer. Once they were at his house, he would torture, rape, and murder these young men. By impersonating a police officer, he was able to get so many more victims. And nobody would be able to tell what happened to them because when asked by friends and family where they went, they would say an officer took them somewhere. And the real police often just thought of these boys as runaways. There was not much for going about trying to find missing boys at the time. Sometimes he would sit on his victims with his full weight, and other times he would partially drown them in his bathtub, and there were so many more tortures that these young men had to endure by Gacy's hands. Gavy, Gacy went even as far as the local boys that he murdered took place in their search parties and told their families they would be found someday, knowing already exactly where the boys are. Gacy's Downfall, Robert Price, a high school sophomore on the honor roll. It all began when Robert's mom went to pick him up from his after-school job. Robert went outside and asked her to wait a few minutes because he wanted to talk to someone about a summer contracting job that would pay him twice as much as he was currently making. Unfortunately, that would be the last time his mom would see him alive. The police investigation started soon after Robert's mom sent out a missing persons report. What's even sadder is that nobody even wanted to put a missing persons report out there. They had told her what they had told the other victims' families. The boy is just a runaway. He'll come home when he gets hungry. She knew, though, that it was very, very not like her son to come home after school. He was on the honor roll and he was a good student, so why wouldn't he come home? They called Gacy into the station after finding out that was who Robert was going to talk with. Gacy came to the station right after dumping Robert Price's body into the river. Within a few hours, Gacy's home was searched and they didn't find any bodies, but they did find evidence of Robert being there. Gacy's home... He was arrested right away, though. Still believing there wasn't even enough evidence to take him in, two officers were tasked with watching Gacy day and night. 
Gacy knew they were watching and invited the men to sit with him in diners, rides in the car when they blew a tire, and much more, showing them that he knew they were following and he was not scared of what they may see. People came to Gacy, gave him a warm pat on the back, and shook his hand. None of these people realized what the clown had done or what was under his house. On December 22nd, 1978, almost exactly 10 years after his first victim, Gacy, the killer clown, confessed to murdering dozens of young men and boys. Investigators swarmed Gacy's house and uncovered 29 bodies in the crawl space. Many of the bodies were so unrecognizable due to decompos decomposition that dental experts were brought in to identify the victims by their teeth. Three years later, the killer clown used an insane insanity plea during his trial, hoping that it would save him from a not guilty verdict. The jury and the court didn't buy it. He was a sick man, but he knew what he was doing the whole time. He didn't have any remorse at all for his victims. Even Gacy's lawyers said, he looked at his victims like he was taking out the trash. He had no feelings about them. Gacy would spend 14 years in prison waiting his execution. While he was in prison, he did many paintings of his, his Pogo the Clown. He also did lots of other things while he was in prison. But nobody was buying his good behavior act. The night before his death, he ordered a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken as his last meal. His last words, kiss my ass. Though Gacy is long gone and his house demolished, his legacy lives on in the lives that he took. As of July 2017, only one of the last unified identified bodies was traced back to a family that had already passed away. There are still six of Gacy's victims' remains that are still anonymous. The killer clown still lives on of, for the families of the victims, and they tried to study Gacy's brain to see if there was anything there that could explain why he did what he did. But as we see a lot of times with this, there's no reason, just sick minds that drive people to do the unthinkable and to hurt so many people. Well, I know I was never a really big clown fan, but I'm definitely not a clown fan now. Gacy was some sick individual, and I'm honestly glad that we have rid the world of him. And I hope that someday those unidentified bodies and boys can finally return home. Many people believe that some of them were from a magazine that were called Boys for Rent. There's not a whole lot of uh, 
evidence to support that claim, but it's what they have to go on. If you like this podcast, please leave me a five-star review. And you can find me on all of my social media hashtags. You can find me on Instagram at Neverland underscore Serial Killer. That was at Neverland underscore Serial Killer. And also to see what the life of what the everyday life of as a podcaster is, you can find me on Snapchat at Neverland underline Kate. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you guys have a very good day. Don't go around any clowns for a while. This podcast was written and recorded by Caitlin Niskimski. Have a killer day.